in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I am Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the Maverick, Glenn Stansberry. <laughs> it's a little foreshadowing mm-hmm. about a hot button topic we're going to discuss a little later. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting developments. Mm. Stay tuned. Breaking news. It's just in for the Speaking of breaking news, Glenn, we are co founders of a breaking news site. Faking news site? Breaking news. Breaking news site. Where you will find all of the latest information about everything that's happening in the world before anyone else in the world. And it's only the information that you need. Yes. You know, we cut straight straight through the chatter, the mm-hmm. noise. Right. So if you hear a rumor about something that, or any window, you can come to Gentleman and check it out and find out if it's real or fake. Right. <laughs> I, I can't stand fake in window. Unrelated, uh, by listening to this podcast, you are agreeing to our updated uh, terms of service. <laughs> Please see our terms of service to uh, back, uh, the, the backups to this claim. Um, anyway, Glenn. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so visit uh, gentleman.com. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure you review our terms of service uh, to find details on those claims that I just made. That's right. Um, but anyway, Glenn, it's all in there. It's all in there. It's on page 111, I believe. It's a 260-page uh, terms of service. It's pretty standard. Boilerplate. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. Pretty much all the, you know, yeah. the huge social networks have to right. do that. So. Have you signed a, a bank loan? I right. Mean, yeah, exactly. Similar. Uh, but anyway, Glenn, we don't even get into that anymore. Um, you're not really agreeing to anything by listening to this podcast. Or are you? <laughs> or are we? Are we agreeing to some terms? Oh. The listener. Um, speaking of which, Glenn, you should, uh, listeners out there should go out there and go to podcast.gentleman.com after they've gone to gentleman.com mm. and looked around and gotten their news, uh, where you can listen to 113 previous episodes of the Gentleman Podcast. You can also follow along with this particular episode. If we talk about a link that you're interested in, you can find the link on podcast.gentleman.com. You can also look at some previous beers that we reviewed. Etc. Etc. There's some good stuff out on podcast.gentleman.com. And finally, Glenn, if anyone out there uh, wants to, needs to, has the desire to get a hold of us, deep uh, in their loins, you can. <laughs> so deep, you can get <laughs> uh, you can get in touch with the Gentleman Podcast by sending a letter to the Gentleman Mailbag at PO Box four four two three zero five Lawrence Kansas six six zero four. We'll get your letter. We will list. We will read it. Not listen to it. We will read the letter. We will think about it, ponder it, discuss it. Uh, and then we will uh, we'll post it to the Hall slash Wall of Fame, which we know is the Hall of Fame. Uh, we'll talk about the Gentleman Podcast, and we may send something back to you in return, depending on the nature of the letter. Via the USPS. Oh, yes. Uh, via the good old standard, rock-solid, mm-hmm. innovative U- United States Postal Service. It's not going to be a snap. It's not going to be a tweet. It's not going to be a post. Well, it will be the post. It'll it be will be the... the- Postal yes. service the evening is going to post. go postal the evening on you. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, failing, on failing that, 
If you don't want to use the United States, if you don't want to support the great legendary institution of the United mm. States Postal Service that we know and love and do support, uh, you can send an electronic mail to us at howdyatgentlemen.com, or you can go to various social networks, agree to their terms of service, mm-hmm. and then try to get in touch with us that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's your choice, whatever you want to do. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time. I've, I think I've done all the due diligence yep. that needs to we happen. we got the preamble out of the way. Whew. Lawyers are adding more stuff in there every week. Um, it's time to get on to the meat of the episode, which is the drink of the week this week, Glenn. And what did you uh, what did you stop by and pick up? Well, Brian, I'm excited. I'm very excited because this brewery has... I've long wanted to try this brewery. And they have not made their way into our region of the United States yet. They're an East Coast brewery, Dogfish Head. Yep. Um, and But even more importantly, when we started Gentlemen, they were the first brewery to hop on board and create an account. And... Yep. Uh, Start posting stuff. Yeah. So they always have a little special place in my heart right. for that reason alone. And also, they're a legendary brewery. Like yeah. They're, they've had TV shows, things like that. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah. It's pretty Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It, te- it took this long for us to get. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it was a big deal because I, I went to at least one restaurant and one of our local liquor stores. And they had big signs out that said. Yeah. Coming soon. Yeah. Dogfish Head. Even before the beer was there. Usually yeah. they're like, oh, we now have something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it seems it seems to be a big deal to everybody around here. Uh, so that's good. Yeah. I was disappointed, though. I go So I go to the liquor store, open up the Dogfish Head. You know, they have their own section of the cooler. Big mm-hmm. section. Yeah. IPA, IPA, double IPA, IPA, weird IPA. It's weird brown ale that's like 14% alcohol. Oh, weird. really? Yeah, all, all sorts of different stuff. And so there's really only one beer that I could get that we wouldn't puke I don't. I don't understand why no brewery has it in their head to try something a little different. I guess it's what sells. It's what I guess sells. that's what sells. You gotta, you gotta sell what sells. Yes. <laughs> you don't want to sell what doesn't sell. That's right. And that's what we buy. Right, yeah, right. We buy... <laughs> That's our problem. So we're out of luck. <laughs> Why doesn't a company sell stuff that people don't want to buy? I don't understand. <laughs> this we is my whole mentality. Niche marketing. Yeah, man. we uh, are a niche. Yeah, we are apparently yeah very small. Well, contingent. We're small but fierce, and as we all know, it's not the size that counts, Brian. That's uh, right. It's how it's the it's the quality the of the heart. Yes, quality of the heart. The quality of the Mustache to a scale, which we use to evaluate yes. this beer, and that quality Look, is high. Uh, Dogfish Head should be sweating because <laughs> they might have, they might be in our good graces, but the MTS computer is unbiased, and it's not going to cut them any slack just because they were early users. No, 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 they are not. And I gotta say, a little forewarning. So the beer I got is called the Namaste White, for all you yoga enthusiasts. Uh, it's a Belgian-style wit beer. That you, Which we do all the time. Right. <laughs> like I said, it was the only one, Brian. Oh, yeah. and to further the <laughs> weirdness of this beer, it is, uh, it's brewed with organic orange flesh <laughs> and peel, uh, fresh cut lemongrass, and a bit of coriander, peppercorns, a healthy dose of good karma. Uh, this, I don't think this is going to go over too hot. I, you know, yeah, I know. <laughs> but, so, but remember, Brian, we Look, have to rate it for what it is. Yeah. The quality we, we, of what it is, not what we'd like. We're going to put our Belgian wit beer hats on. <laughs> and we're going to give it a fair shake, damn it. <coughs> All right, so some vitals about this beer. Yep. The cost 
Mm-hmm. $10.99. We're tipping the top end of that scale. And I must wow. say, this was the cheapest beer. Yeah, I was going to say, I when I saw this stuff, all the IPAs and everything were, were over that. They were quite pricey. Uh, when I will say this, Brian, in the liquor store, they had some stickers next to some of the IPAs for uh, Beer Snob or one of the, you know, sites like Beer Snob. Yeah. Arbitrary ranking. Beer Jerk. Beer Jerk. Yeah. <laughs> beer Snob, Beer Jerk. Beer Nozzle. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Beer, beer Hoser. hoser. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and they said it scored a perfect 100. Their 90 oh, minute IPA. No, whatever no, it's called. No, no, no. Perfect no. 100. Arbitrary. I'll um, give them that. Anyway, I think, I think Dogfish Head has been living on their name. So we're going to put them to the test here. Well, yeah, we're going to find out what's what. Okay, Glenn, let's pop these open and give it a little shot here. Yeah, it's uh, 4.8% alcohol, 1099, Belgian style white. And there's things like orange flesh in it, peppercorns. So, your luchador uh, bottle opener is kind of cantankerous Somebody there, Somebody gave right? me a luchador bottle opener for Christmas. It's not seem to be doing the job. Am I doing this wrong? Let me try the other other side. Like flip it? Yeah. For that, at least end. Ow! Well, I'm gonna have to. Uh, I heard something. Here, try. Oh, yeah, that guy. I'll go around like this. <laughs> I can't believe it's not apparent, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I was just using the bottle opener. Right? Anyway, okay. <laughs> cheers, cheers. Dogfish head. Yeah, it's like a blue moon. Yeah. Kind it's, of. it's not bad. It's not bad. It's got a good... Yeah. Everything's like per- like really well mixed. Like It's not one thing is just jumping out and slapping me in the face. It's, it is a... I mean, for this style of beer, yeah. it is pretty good. This would be um, really good in the fall. Yeah. I don't usually like orange-based beers. <laughs> I don't either. You know? I coriander. Just, it doesn't... Yeah. Orange and coriander is usually a big red flag. But I would drink... Like, yeah. If you said, oh, no, this is just a... Uh, this is just a a lager style right ale or something yeah but yeah I, yeah yeah it's not bad okay uh, Glenn if you had to describe a arbitrary rating to this beer that doesn't make any possible difference in the world what would what would that rating be I'm trying to separate my uh, I wouldn't say distaste but my indifference towards wit beers and yeah beers of this ilk. Uh, really got to be method actors here yeah, we and do. step into the role of right. somebody that is into that kind of beer. All right, I'm thinking of... Okay, I've got someone in mind. Okay. Uh, bro. I'm thinking of bro. Bill Nye. What? <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Or an Alton <laughs> Brown kind of character. <laughs> all right, now we've got the IBUs. <laughs> um, all right, so it's 1099. That that hurts it. That takes it back a peg. Yeah, it does. Yep. Because the mustache... Because the mustache... Because the mustache twist scale mm-hmm. is predicated on the fact that price is a big part. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, when they do cigar ratings, yep. it's not the most expensive cigar that wins. Actually, it's the best priced cigar mm-hmm. and the quality of that cigar yeah. in relative to its price. Absolutely. Anyway, that's what we strive for here. So, ten ninety nine. I don't. I don't feel like this breaks into the eights. No. I feel like it's a 7.8. You're going to 7.8, huh? Mm-hmm. I was going to 7.4. Okay. Wow. I think the price thing really... 
I get pricing IPAs ten ninety nine. Yeah, I get it. Nine ninety nine for this beer would be okay with me. I would say, yeah, it's a little bit pricey, but yeah. you know, I get it. They're, they're you know West Coast right. brewing company, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Ten ninety nine feels a little bit like price gouging. Yeah, it does to a Midwestern kid. Yeah, yeah, just a couple of hicks from French Lick. That's right, and you're selling us a ten ninety nine Belgian wit beer. <laughs> Uh, so I, I was going to say it was 7.4. You went 7.8, Glenn. Uh, but the good thing about this is that none of that stuff matters. Because the only voice that matters in this podcast, in the world maybe, uh, is the mustache twist uh, scale computer. The empirical, infallible, algorithm, machine learning system that we built to rate beers. Yes. Uh, so let me okay. So let's, let, I'm gonna type in some facts into the MTS computer, and then it will it will print out a lengthy report. I will summarize that in a final score uh, for the Nomaste White Belgian beer from Dogfish Head. So we said the price was 10.99. Mm-hmm. We said the alcohol content was 4.8 percent, and that there was 20 IBUs. Uh, and the style was a white ale. White ale. White ale. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's karma, mm-hmm. along with the coriander and orange slices. Bursting with karma. Okay. Uh, well, I think that that's pretty much all the facts that the MTS computer needs to know. Uh, so I'm going to go. It's printing off right now. Uh, in, a, in a couple seconds, I will get the report, and we will know for sure what the uh, what the MTS score on this beer is. This is all right beer. It really it exceeded my expectations yes. for what it was going to be. Yeah. But yet the price was what doomed it in my eyes. It was, do I buy a $13 four pack of 12% yes. brown ale or right. this? <laughs> That's a tough, yeah. It's a tough sell. Okay, let me get this. I, I think the report's done. I'm going to go get it over here on the MTS printer. Put it back here. Okay, so let's see. Get through this thing here, and we'll get to the. That's quite the tome. You know, with the Belgian wit beer, probably had to go deep into the research to kind of come up with the. Is that some yoga terminology in there? I see. I they got you know, like some of the poses, graphs, and Belgian wow. history. Um, oh, okay, look. It, well, it. You know, I uh, see. I find I found here uh, at the end of the report, uh, the MTS computers weighed in, and it weighs in at a seven point six. Ooh, okay. So that seems um, fair. That seems like a very fair score. Yes, it's it's you know it's a, a nice you know, yeah. I'd say average round number. So there you go. It's not a hundred. Uh, Glenn, what do the beer snobs have to say about the Namaste White? Well, Brian, while you were calculating, typing, punching in all the numbers, yep, to the mustache twist, I looked it up and. For over 3,000 ratings, it averages an 86, mm. which we can loosely translate as an 8.6 yeah. on the mustache If we scale. did some scaling and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. 8.6. So a whole point higher, Brian. Um, Why am I not surprised? People are people are going nuts over this thing. Look at these benign factors. Smell. Ah. Feel. Yeah. What? Yeah. Feels like glass, Brian. Yeah. With some paper Smells on it. Smells like beer. Smells like wit beer. <laughs> With some coriander. Mm-hmm. Okay, Glenn. Well, mm. hey, snobs got a snob, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's what's going to happen, you know? So, 
Anyway, on that note, uh, let's get into some interesting posts from... I got some coriander up my nose there. Gentleman.com the last two weeks or so. All right. Well, batting leadoff. We have some uh, jerk apple named Glenn who posted, uh, This woman wore her engagement ring for a year without even knowing it. This is a great story of two Aussies. A tale of love Mm -hmm. and down under. Yep. Um, The couple in question, an Australian man named Terry and his lovely girlfriend, Anna. Uh, Terry decided that well in advance he was going to have an engagement ring. He was going to propose to his girlfriend. He wanted to do it very, you know, in a very uh, special manner. So he decided to carve her a um, a necklace, a wood necklace, and it was made out of Huon pine. I've never heard of that. But. Nope. Uh, yeah, it's it's a wood native to Tasmania, which is close to Australia. Mm-hmm. Which is part to. of Australia. It's part of Australia, but yeah, close to the main coastal land of Australia. Okay, and you have been there. Yeah, yeah. And Brian's been there and also fashioned some things out of Huon wood. Oh, yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and so he did this um, well in advance, a year in advance, gave her the necklace, and inside he had made it so that he could slip a knife in between a crack and crack open the necklace, and inside would be this engagement ring. So he gives it to his girlfriend, and she wears it for a year. They finally go on a trip to the um, to Scotland, to Smoo Cave. As you would, uh, yeah. Most that I hear that's quite the, the engagement. Spot. All the kids these days they're yeah. getting engaged, smooing, going to smooing, smooing. Uh, yeah. Uh, so he 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 uh, takes a picture of the necklace on the rock when they're at the cave. And he said, "Hold on a second here," and he and he whips out a knife and cracks it open and hands it to her. And he's on one knee, you know, and it's and you know it's a great scene. And then she finally realizes that she's been wearing it for a whole year. And then she's uh, slightly angry starts at him. Starts beating him. Yeah. Right. Starts hitting him because she's like, you idiot, I could have lost it. <sighs> yeah. Uh, which, yes. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of. It's like, you know, uh, she's going to go out to the uh, local watering hole, have a few beers, and come back without her necklace. And be like, well, it's no big deal. I'll just have it make me another one. Right. And then they would... Oh, no, no, yeah. no. <laughs> and I... This is really cool, by the way. I mean, this yeah. is... This is awesome, but I just, I never understood exactly why he did this. Like, I didn't, why would you do that? I don't, I, I don't know. It seems like the risks are much higher than the reward. Like, there's no poignant twist to the story where he says, I did this because I, you know, I knew so long ago that we were going to be married that I wanted you to, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help the guy out here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What? What, what, Why didn't you propose a year ago? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. I could have been wearing this for a year. Yeah, we could have been married by now. Yeah, uh, I, I will say. I mean, the other thing I was thinking about too is like, how did he know that she was going to wear it? Um, yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's, if you look at yeah. it on her neck, it's yeah. like she's got an Adam's apple. It's it's like a big uh, coin purse around her neck, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he just got lucky. I mean, I guess you wake up in the morning and you're like, "Are you gonna wear the necklace that I made you today?" Because yeah, he probably he probably had to do that every day. Why don't you wear that one that I made you? You know, <laughs> the one that you're supposed to wear every day. The one that <laughs> that you should never lose. Yeah, because <laughs> you never know when it'll be. Don't important. go losing that on me now. <laughs> well, anyway, it all worked out. It did. Everything all worked out. The surprise worked out. There's a lot of ways that could have gone wrong. That's right. He got lucky, <laughs> but um, he did a very. Inventive... He got lucky too because you know she's. He definitely swung out of his league there too. She's yeah, way out of his league. Um, yes. Okay. Well, Terry, I hope you're not listening because uh, 
you know. It's okay. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Uh, me too. Glenn, uh, well, let's move on before we get ourselves in too much trouble. Right. And talk about a tack from our good friend and legendary gentleman poster, Zombie Cat Bacon. Zombie yes. Cat Bacon posted this story, uh, and it's something I never really thought about. Maybe something a lot of ne- people never thought about, but it's very, very interesting. It's called Origins of A, How Two Little Letters Came to Define Canadians. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a little story from the uh, CBC up in Calgary. And uh, this is a very deep dive into where the term <laughs> A came from. You know, uh, Canadians are kind of famous, infamous for saying a statement and then following it with A. And uh, it, it seems kind of a little odd to uh, Americans and people from other countries. Uh, but Derek Dennis, a postdoctorate fellow at the University of Victoria's linguistics department, has been studying the origins of A for more than five years. He spent five years of his life studying the origins of A, and he's come back with some pretty interesting uh, facts about it. That's a labor of love. In his research, he has found that references to the word go back well before the Canadian Confederation 150 years ago. Uh, in fact, the earliest use of the word. Uh, he found in an Irish play written in 1773, he believes A traveled to Canada along with an influx in immigration. Uh, it jumped the pond and was first documented in the Thomas Chandler Halliburton book, The Clockmaster, which was written in 1836. So there you go. So long before we can uh, Canada, as we knew it, mm. as we know it, um, <laughs> became what it is, uh, A was... was was being used and and the other interesting thing about this that i found was uh a's closest cousin in america is huh to us is what they explain it's a it's a what they linguistics uh term a confirmational but the interesting thing about a which is different than every other confirmational is that it's also a follower of a statement so you would say i just walked into the room a and that would be like us saying i just walked into the room huh you know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't sound right, but nope. it, it just—it's a way to. I thought it was very interesting. They talk about it as a way to kind of include people in the con- You're kind of drawing people back into your conversation that you're having with them, kind of including people in the stories that you're telling and stuff like that. So it, it's a very interesting term. Uh, and these, all these facts, I never thought about until I read this story. So it's pretty cool. I um, I went to Canada five or six years ago, and. That was one of the first things, obviously, that I noticed right away. The accent. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking to somebody, when they say A or yeah. right, like yeah. for, in that that person, or I guess the region where I was in, they used the word right, almost like they used the word A. They, they mentioned this in that in, in this article. Yeah. yeah. And and the and so I, I, I every time I just started, re, I would like, yeah. Like every time he said right, yeah. and but he kept looking at me funny, yeah. and I kept saying it, and then mm. eventually I stopped saying it, and I figured out, oh, he doesn't want me to respond. But it's not a really call and response here. Right. It's just like a, it's just yeah. what they do, right. and it's it's you take some getting used to. Oh, I'm sure it does. Uh, the other thing this article mentions is the, of course, legendary CBC characters. Uh, I can't remember what they're. The ones that everybody Strange the, Brew, Strange Brew, the guys. gents from uh, Rick Moranis and. Uh, yeah. I don't remember their stage names, but yeah, they're like Wayne and Garth of Calgary. Yeah, Calgary exactly. is Wayne and Garth. That's that's the first time I heard the the term a, you know, <laughs> in, in in real sentences. Take so. off. Yeah, 
Um, so anyway, they so they, they had a little bit of that really kind of put the term into a spotlight and it really associated it with kind of a negative backwoods kind of thing with right. Canada. Um, <laughs> they call them hosers in the article, yeah, like they're typical yeah, yeah. hosers. Yeah, exactly. So um, <laughs> that's a little, you know, that's a little fortunate, but a bit upside but that's that's okay that's part of the culture that's all right that's all right we have we have many things in our culture like ipas a right a right mm. um okay then well, but yeah you should uh you should if you want to know more about the origins of a uh i'll link this up on the podcast at gentleman.com it's also available on gentleman.com um thanks zombie cat bacon for posting that good article fantastic stuff all right, last last thing we have to talk about, Brian, is a post by our good friend Tony O. And Tony, oh. Tony O, has posted an article uh, by FoxSports.com. Von Miller surprised more than 200 Bronco employees. And Von Miller is a what is he a D end a linebacker? He's a D end, I think. For I should know this. He's destroyed my Chiefs. You know, for a few years now. I know he's an All Pro. <laughs> yeah, he he was a Super Bowl MVP. Uh, anyway, the important thing about this. Okay, so the, the title of Fox Sports is Von Miller surprises more than 200 Bronco employees with a rare gesture, and they were saying in the article that Von Miller went to um, the uh, Broncos annual uh, service recognition day, which is used to honor the, the employees, like every you know chefs, the groundskeepers, right, equipment managers, yeah. everybody who's associated with the program. And he actually went and spoke at it and, mm-hmm. uh, and like thanked them, and um, it was and it. But they were saying, and this is this is kind of odd to me. But this is the first time a player has actually done this, yeah. As far as anybody knows of, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's something that people just haven't thought to do or uh, or athletes haven't thought to do. But I, I I thought this was pretty cool on his part. I mean, Super Bowl MVP, and he goes and thanks the little people. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was great. I mean. He, he he makes a point of saying that they're all part of the organization and they mm-hmm. couldn't do what they do without their help and you know he even stuck around and signed autographs for some people and helped them do they had like a raffle and a couple other things and kind of was involved with that stuff um but yeah it's really awesome that he just kind of voluntarily took time out of his schedule to and had the the thought of i should go you know yeah. talk to these people exactly um so it's really cool um yeah i mean i wish we'd hear more of this stuff or it wouldn't be such a big story when it happens because um it's an important part i mean all this all the stabbing think about a hundred thousand seat stadium and all the people that participate in making a game day happen people that never get right you know any recognition about anything so it's good to have you know somebody especially as talented and high profile as him show up and and do a talk it took him what like two hours yeah three hours of his day maybe pretty pretty cool I've, as much as I hate to admit it, the guy's classy, and yeah, I, I I can't stand him as a you know competitor, right? But talk on it, do I respect him? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a real respectable thing to do, and it's cool that he took time out of his day to do it. Um, so yeah, very cool, very cool story. Thank you for posting that, Tony O. Tony O. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, that was some interesting posts from Gentleman dot com the last two weeks or so, um, and that means it's time for the toast this week, Glenn. And uh, once again, we find ourselves toasting someone that unfortunately passed away. Uh, And in this case, it is none other than Sir Roger Moore, uh, the legendary actor who was probably most known for playing James Bond 
uh, I think in seven movies. Uh, he was 89 years old, passed away of a after a brief, brief bout with cancer. Has he done the most James Bond movies of all the actors? I don't know if he's done the most. Is Sean Connery? Sean, I don't, it might be him or Sean Connery. It's got to be either one of those two. Yeah. Um, one of the originals. He was the oldest person to take over a Bond character at 45. Um, he was. He had previously wow. been uh, in The Saint, the television series The Saint. Uh, made famous by the reboot by Val Kilmer? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it was originally famous <laughs> in the mid-60s, which starred Roger Moore. Nice. Um, but yeah, he was he was an older... He was a 45 when he took over Bond, and he played it for several years, and uh, people were worried that he was too handsome to play the role. Gosh. And he, he brought a... Uh, he thought that James Bond would be more kind of a, a funnier guy. He would have... It wouldn't be so serious. He'd be a little bit... Uh, a little bit more jovial and uh, stuff like that. So he ha- he had a- he brought his own personality to the role. Um, he so he did that, and he you know he'd done stuff before that. And after James Bond was over with, he turned his attention to his charity work with the UNICEF organization, mm. and was so instrumental in uh, a lot of their charity work that he was knighted for that charity work in 2003. When I saw that he had been knighted, I assumed it was because of his <laughs> roles in playing James Iconic. Bond and, and yeah. stuff like that. But in fact, it was because of his instrumental work in charity that took place after his roles in James Bond. Well, that's pretty amazing. One of his memoirs was titled One Lucky Bastard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's great. That's great. And he was married four times. Mm. And lived abroad for decades as a tax exile, which happens a lot in Britain. Really? Yes. Uh, are you joking? No, I'm serious. <laughs> he, uh, in Britain, their taxes are so heavily geared towards people that make a lot of money. Oh, okay. That uh, a lot of, you know, like the Rolling Stones went oh. into, they have an album called Exile on Main Street because they lived in another country while they were making the album so they wouldn't get as heavily taxed. That happens a lot. Ah, okay. So it's just something that people do. Um, but th- this is an interesting quote that I found uh, in an NPR article about him passing away. And it says, In an early and never filmed movie script, Moore read a line that stayed with him for the rest of his life. And this is the line. My attitude about death is going into the next room, and it's a room that the rest of us can't go into because we, can't, because we don't have the key. But when we do get the key, we go in there and we'll see one another again. Interesting. So, That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, kind of a cool little uh, quote they pulled. But uh, yeah, he passed away this past Tuesday in Switzerland. And uh, yeah. sad deal, but... 89, right? 89. A long, That's a good, that's illustrious a good que- uh, career. I loved his James. I, I think he's probably my favorite James Bond. I mean, I like Sean Connery, but Roger Moore is also very yeah. good at that, at that. I would say he's probably the best person to follow Sean Connery because he had his own... Right. Way of doing it. He's, yeah, they, they're one, two in my mind, and I don't really care who finishes first, like yeah. in terms of James Bond. Yeah. Um, and it's good to know that there's somebody else that we can finally relate to. When we started this podcast, Brian, they thought we were too handsome, right? Well, they said, and because I don't know what never, this means, you guys have faces for podcasts. Right. Which I take to mean we're that too we handsome. would be great. Yeah. Yeah. We would be great faces to have on a right. podcast. Right. Yeah. Um, so, Sir Roger, we're yeah, we're right there with we're you, We're on the same board. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pouring a little out mm-hmm. on the ground for... <laughs> yeah. 
But anyway, yeah. So sad, sadly, he passed away. But long, awesome career. Yeah. Um, to Sir Roger Moore. Rest in peace, sir. R.I.P. Okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the. Um, Topic. Breaking news, breaking news. Uh, we have found out some very, very interesting information, Glenn. This just, just in. This just in, right before Literally. we were going to record the podcast. We had I had another topic picked, and it wasn't that great. We had to uh, we had to pull a, a editorial decision at the yes. last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have discovered that Tom Cruise has confirmed that, in fact, a Top Gun sequel... <sighs> Is quote definitely happening? Mm. Mm. So Mm-mm-mm. basically, there have been rumors swirling that Jerry Bruckheimer and Tom Cruise were getting together to work on a sequel to the 1986 spectacular movie Top Gun, but they were just that rumors up until tonight when apparently he was doing an Australian television interview and they asked him point blank, "Are you going to do a sequel to Top Gun?" And Tom Cruise replied, "It's true." I'm going to start probably in the next year. I know it's happening. It's definitely happening. You're the first people I've said it to. You asked me, and so I'm telling you. Is what the what Tom Cruise had to say about it. So I, I just flipped over to the IMDb because, like you said, this this just hit the news desk. Yeah. Uh, there's only two people listed on the cast, and it is Tom Cruise and Iceman Val Kilmer. Oh wow! So we so got we the know, gang got back some, together. We got yeah, we've got two people confirmed. Just got to get Meg Ryan. So, basically, <laughs> Meg Ryan's not even in it. She was? No, she wasn't. Oh, she was. was Goose's, she Goose's she's wife? Goose's oh, wife. Right. I was thinking of the the main character. Yeah, no, was, she yeah. which who also kind of looks yeah, yeah, like yeah, Meg yeah, Ryan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and she, yeah. But so apparently, Bruckheimer's wanted to do this for decades, and this is going to be based on a story that centers around a now senior Maverick. <laughs> I can't see him. I can't make him out. Is he? A, is that an airplane? So apparently he's going to be the the instructor or something now. Yeah. What's that, what's what's uh, Iceman going to be? I I don't know. Probably just like washed up somewhere. This feels like a. This is like remaking the Goonies or something. This feels yeah, like something that you not, can't really touch. Not gonna. I don't know. You were talking. It's about, easy money. You're talking about stuff. Like who's gonna do the soundtrack? Because yes, Kenny Loggins. <laughs> certainly, Kenny Loggins has to do the soundtrack because if not, it's already broken. <laughs> I read something about Top Gun recently, um, and they were talking about the importance of Kenny Loggins in the movie, or the, the, the emphasis they put on his stuff. And I think they play Danger Zone like a hundred times or something. It's at least three times in the movie, like yeah. actually, you know, which doesn't ever happen in movie scores. But yeah. They're really pushing the envelope, which is a flying term there. Yeah. The envelope, uh, um, yeah, well, it's, you know, that was like right at Kenny Loggins' heart. Or, he was the soundtrack man. I Caddyshack? Mean, Caddyshack. And, well, I don't know how all those soundtracks he did. Gosh, what? Is, which is the weirdest thing, because he's not, you know, he's just a... He was like a smooth, mu- like smooth music rocker in the late 70s. And then all of a sudden he was doing Caddyshack and Danger Zone and... I, it's the weirdest thing, um, but uh, but yeah, Kenny Loggins definitely. I mean that that song is seared into my mind. It's just 
that was being a kid in 1986. I mean, as I was, uh, I had the Top Gun NES video game. Yeah, which was hard as hell. It's impossible. What the hell? It was so frustrating. It was so the hard. Flying the thing was just there's no way to fly it, and then <sighs> just landing was landing on the oh, carrier. Yeah. I I don't. It was the most frustrating game. I had a friend who'd figure out how to land, and I for the life of me, it took me forever to get that done to land on the carrier. It was incredibly frustrating. It took hours of my youth trying to figure that out. <laughs> Thanks, but, Tom Cruise. But yeah, I mean VH, VHS videos of mm-hmm. of Top Gun. Yeah, I watched that a lot. It was such a, you know, smoky. Yeah, <laughs> there's something sensual. There's so, it was very. It really appealed to kids. I feel like it did. You know, I, I don't. I don't see it really appealing that much to like if it was our age and we went to go see Top Gun, it would be like we'd look at it sideways, man. Yeah, it'd be really weird. <laughs> I mean, not weird. It'd be like, well, yeah, that was a action movie. But when you're a kid, all right. that stuff is so cool. You, and you and you totally like look past the you know the scene where they're playing beach volleyball in jeans and like no <laughs> playing sh- with the boys. Yeah, and it's you know they're all you know it's just kind of yeah. It's, <laughs> you look past that, and you're like, oh man, these guys are awesome. And now you're just like, whoa. When I posted the tag, I really wanted to say, please let there be a beach volleyball scene. <laughs> yeah. But then I realized that could be interpreted a couple of different ways. <laughs> and I just mean from the nostalgic way, uh-huh. not the mm-hmm. other possible way to interpret it. Danger zone. But I have to wonder whether Jerry Bruckheimer and Tom Cruise are going to be able to reinvent <laughs> such a timeless classic movie. I hope they make it like Pirates of the Caribbean. And <laughs> just like six more of them. Yeah. Uh, Top Gun 7. Oh, I don't think it's... Maverick dies. All all that stuff was so... You know, the aircraft carriers, the fighter planes, Cold War. Right. 1980s. Right. It was so timely back then. The plot was weird. Like, just thinking about the... You know, like, they almost start World War III. Yeah. uh, Right. But they don't. So... Yeah. And they get back and high fives all around. Oh, the bar scene. Yeah. That's what I, I don't know. What do you do, man? Hey, Maverick, she's lost that love and feeling. <laughs> All right, Brian, you have to get carnal knowledge of a woman this time. <laughs> um. So anyway, yeah, we have that to look forward to. They said there, he, Tom Cruise tries to be definitive about it, but he's not. He said probably this year they're going to start filming it. Huh. So I don't know, but he sounds pretty. He's pretty resolute about it. He's like, "This is definitely definitely happening. happening. This is happening. It's definitely happening." I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Listen, I take what Tom, everything Tom Cruise says to the bank, right? Except his religious views. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, views in general. Yeah, Um, exactly. But when it comes to movies, I'm likely to believe him. It's the next logical step. I mean, got to go back to your roots. I got to say, Tom Cruise looks like he's still. I know. He looks younger than I do. He's like 70. <laughs> I, wa- I watch this video, this YouTube video, uh, chronicling all the times like, and all the ways they make Tom Cruise look taller than everybody in that yeah. movie. And it's incredible. Like People yeah. have to be on their knees. Their foreground. Yeah. And, yeah. They, they, they he do wears, this. He wears heels like, really? in some scenes. and I know they do the old uh, Lord of the Rings thing yeah. where they have him stand like three feet in front of the other person but make it look like they're standing next to each other. Yeah. 
Hmm. Interesting. It's got to be hard for chemistry on screen. <laughs> hey, Tom, Tom, Tom. <laughs> Man. Uh, well, anyway. Well, we'll find out about that. I'm, I'm looking forward to I wish... Maybe, maybe Goose will have like a like a dream sequence or a, 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 fall, like a, a flashback <laughs> sequence or something like that. That would be optimal. Maybe he's... Oh, maybe he teaches Goose's child to fly. That would be cool. Did they have a boy or a girl? Because then it could be like... Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm saying, like, if it was a girl, it could be like, oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, you need to write a treatment down and send it over to Tom Cruise and say, I've got it all figured out. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Give you some help, Brian. Yeah. I've lost that love and feeling (laughs) for this movie script. Um, Okay. Speaking of sequels, how do, let's take the over-under on this. Do you think it will be better than Dumb and Dumber 2? Boy, that's a tough question. We'll go Rotten Tomato score. Dumb and Dumber 2 was bad. <laughs> was beyond bad. It was... I had so much hope for that movie. Because it looked like maybe they got it figured out. And then it just devolved into terribleness. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm going to go on the side of probably better than Dumb and Dumber 2. But that's not a... That's not a positive thing for Top Gun 2. It's more an indictment. It's an indictment of Dumb and Dumber 2. Because, uh, you know, Dumb and Dumber 2 is terrible. And you can't, look, you you can't remake something like that. There was just magic in the air when Dumb and Dumber was made. Yes. There's just no rekindling that. You just have one movie and it was spectacular and now it's done. Yeah. That's all there is to it. And I feel like Top Gun's going to be pretty much the same way. Maybe I'll be surprised. I don't Have any of these sequels that are like this really worked out really well? I I, I was trying to think of all time if there's been any. I mean, I'm throwing out series like James Bond. and But like when they have one, two, or three movies. Like Matrix? No. It's very it's very few. I mean, they always say The Godfather Part 2. Right. Uh, Star Wars. Yes, is Star, an Wars. Example Star Wars is of, the one I can think of. Yeah. Um, very few sequels. I guess Indiana Jones. Well, Indiana Jones kind of yeah, but those that's more of a. How many were there? Four. How many did Harrison Ford do? Yeah, four. Like four in the same time period. I'm not talking about the recent one. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, and the one with Sean Connery. Um, oh yeah, oh, the Holy Grail, the Holy Grail. Grail, and then the the last one um, with the aliens, with the <laughs> and Shia LaBeouf. Yep. Yeah, had the makings that one did. <laughs> I saw that. Whoever doing these trailers is working magic. Yeah, they I are. saw the trailer for the last Indiana Jones, and I was like, "This looks awesome. <laughs> this looks sweet." And then the movie was terrible. Yeah, it was bad. Anyway, it's not good. Okay, well, uh, we'll be looking for the trailer, which mm. is going to look awesome. Mm-hmm. Don't be fooled. Won't get fooled again. Uh, but I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this. Only if Kenny Loggins is doing the soundtrack. If he we can cover that, a lot of sins. If we if we hear that, if we hear that confirmation, then I am back on board. Dude, all I want to hear is Danger Zone playing at some point and like the pivotal moment of the yeah. I got I got to hear it. Got to. Otherwise yeah. it's not a sequel. Yeah. That was that was a huge part of it, man. How much money has Kenny Loggins made off royalties in his lifetime? I don't know. Just rolling in money. I'm sure it's fantastic. <laughs> I hope he got a sweet sweet deal on that cuz he deserves it. Um. Well, yeah, we, we'll, we'll we'll dig into that, Glenn. We'll find out. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do some research tomorrow. 
Okay. Okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the question of the gentleman mailbag, which is the (laughs) final segment of the gentleman podcast, episode 114. Uh, And this question, Glenn, you sent over to me. You found this article that was very intriguing. And uh, one of my favorite companies, one of your favorite companies, most interesting companies, I think, Yes, is a company called Warby Parker, who uh, about six or seven years ago decided that they were going to kind of upend the way that glasses are done. I mean, before Warby Parker, everybody went to the local eye doctor and picked out their expensive glasses and... They, you know, had certain brands that they had and ones they didn't and super just kind expensive. of super expensive and did that. And they wanted to kind of make it an internet-based thing. But the problem always was that you had to go see your optometrist, go get your prescription, take that, give it to a specialist at Warby Parker, then go through, have your glasses mailed to you, uh, and then decide, blah, blah, blah. But they've just come out with this app that they're testing, which I believe is like an augmented reality app that you use your phone and your computer and it essentially gives you an eye exam on demand. Yeah. So what happens is they're testing this app, and you use your phone and your computer to do all the vision testing that you would normally get at your doctor to, to understand what your prescription would be. And then those results are, at least for now, sent to a real doctor, and they check the results, verify them, and send them along. To Warby Parker. So basically the idea is that you don't have to... If you want to buy Warby Parker eyeglasses, you could pop your phone open and give yourself an eye exam. Right. And then have the eyeglasses sent to you. So it really eliminates a huge problem for them, which is that it's very... like. If somebody's interested in buying the glasses right then, they're like, well, I've got to stop and I've got to go get my prescription. Right. And that takes a couple weeks. And then maybe they decide not to buy the glasses anymore. Now it's like we you can just do the eye exam and then you're done pretty sweet it is pretty sweet uh and they do and warby parker now has places all over the place they've got one in kansas city they've got yeah stores all over the u.s where you can go and try on the glasses there and everything like that so they're really getting pretty far down this they're road getting it done yeah and the nice thing about warby parker too is that they they give a pair of eyeglasses to um people in other countries that can't afford eyeglasses for every purchased gla- piece of uh, eyewear that you you get so buy a pair give a pair kind of thing yeah exactly that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw this, and I um, I already had kind of a smaller scale experience with this with Warby Parker. So I recently bought another pair of glasses, and Warby Parker glasses are 100 bucks. Yeah. Just, that's they're all pretty much 100 bucks. Yeah. And so I had to get an eye exam anyway, so I got my eye exam. Yeah. And, of course, you know, on the way out of the eye exam, they're like, why don't you sit down with the, uh, this lady right here, and she'll walk you through your eyeglass options. And I'm right. like, ah, oh, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't need yeah. glasses. <laughs> Right. Even though I do. Yeah. Uh, and so, anyway, I had to get my prescription, had to mail them, like email my eyeglass or my uh, doctor, eye doctor, and say, hey, I need my prescription. They yep. send it to me. I send that to Warby Parker, and they say, oh, this has everything but a couple things we need. Yeah. Don't worry about it, though. Just take a couple pictures of your eyes, and we'll figure it out. Oh. So, they... I don't remember what the exact measurement was. Something like specific gravity. I'm making that up. But yeah. something very, you know, it's like. Yeah. Anyway. So they wanted to make sure they got me the right pair of glasses. So I had to take pictures of. How did I, I think it might have just been one picture of my face. In proper lighting. Hmm. And then like about a day later, somebody looked at it and said, oh, okay. Huh. Here's, here's your specific yeah. gravity. Yeah. <laughs> and they got me the right pair of glasses. 
So wow, it was weird. Yeah, I was a little uneasy about it all because I don't know the camera on my phone is going to do the right thing. You know, like a proper resolution so, and all that. So this this is very interesting because it brings up the question: Do you think? I mean, do you think this is kind of the beginning of maybe not having the the optometrist the way that we do now? It's a good question because, like you were saying, if they if you took like so, this is basically just to test your to get your prescription, right? But the only other thing an optometrist does is look for problems in your eye, right? So it makes you kind of wonder if there's a way that someday they'll be able to do 90% of that with a picture of your eyes, yeah. a couple pictures of your eyes, and some apps, and you know maybe once every three or four years you go to the optometrist, but... I go, because of the vision insurance I have, I go every year just because sure. I can. Yep. And though I pay like 20 bucks extra to get this specific type of... I guess it's pretty... Uh, rare uh, for eye doctors to have this in our region, but they have this special scan that you put, you paid like 20 extra dollars for. It's outside of your insurance. Yeah. And it does like a full, uh, it's a scan of your eyeball, but it goes like you can look at it in 3D basically, your yeah. entire eyeball. And right. it is pretty sweet. Yeah. And he, and he show, he always shows me, he's like, here's what, if we did the normal scan, right. this is what we could see. But since you did this one, here's what we can see. And it right. was, He's like, so it's, it's completely like the, different. It's like the undercoating on a car when you buy a new car. Right. No. <laughs> For a thousand extra bucks, we'll put a rust-proof coating on the car. Right, right. Yeah, I got, I got rust-proof eyeballs. So you're telling me it's not rust-proof already? <laughs> uh, well, yes. So, But yeah, they look for things other than, you know, yeah. failing vision, you know. Right. Eye disease? Yeah. Which I guess happens. Yeah, sure. So. Um, yeah, I, 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 I use contacts primarily, so you, you pretty much get those every year. It's like a, it's, it's a racket, you know, it's, yeah. um, it's nice cause you don't have to worry about it too much, but, um, I, and I bought some glasses from Warby Parker and they, they were really cool. I mean, they, they did a really good job and I just never, I was never that into the glasses myself. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was like, I'm not used to wearing glasses or what it yeah. is, but it's just, um, I couldn't make the switch from contacts to glasses very well. So, uh, but I, I will say that they they have the tech part of it down. It's one. Of, it's a really great example of somebody that there's a lot of problems with when you say I'm going to start an online glasses store. There's a lot of things that run through your head and start saying, well, how are you going to do this and how are you going to do that and how are you going to overcome this and you need these prescriptions and what do you, you know what? And it's you know they kind of at first they just kind of roughed it out you know and yes send us your paper prescriptions from the doctor and we'll, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, until they could get to the point where they had on-site stores in a lot of cities and now they're doing stuff like this where they're kind of fixing all the problems that you're going to have with all these things. So pretty exciting time. It's very interesting. It is. I think a lot of this is similar to uh, WebMD or something like that for doctors. Like before the internet, you had to go to the doctor. Yeah. You had no idea what was wrong with you. I mean, you had to rely on, right. you know, whatever the doctor said. Right. And now you can look up. I mean, it doesn't replace the doctor. No. But at least having an idea of what might be wrong with you right. or possible solutions, possible scenarios, things like that. Or, you know, diseases and things like that, you know. Yeah. Maybe it's not apples to apples, but. I think I think a better an- analogy would be the 
the stuff like you're we're starting to see I, I posted something on gentleman.com not too long ago about a tricorder like thing that is basically an attachment for your phone that takes a lot of biometric stuff yeah. take your blood yeah a couple other things and the point of it is that you're supposed to do the test that you're you can do in a lab at your house mm. and then have that analyzed and you don't so like if you if you think something's up or you're at home and Maybe you don't have like you're too busy. You don't want to go to the doctor, but you know something doesn't feel right, or you need to get this checked up, or this or that, or whatever. You just do it yourself and send the, the results to a lab, and they'll analyze it right there and tell you, you know, one way or the other. So it's very. Um, I think we're starting to get in this point where there are a lot of the things that you're gonna uh, that you do that you expect to schedule for a doctor's appointment are going to be taken care of at home, and then you know. Only on more rare occasions will you find yourself going to the doctor. Yeah, I, I read something recently in the similar vein. <clears throat> excuse me, where the Apple Watch is going to start something about tracking glucose. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is insane. Right. I mean, we're it is a crazy time. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because I I'm one of those guys that don't make it over to the doctor as much as I should. But you know, if you could just every year give yourself the basic tests and make sure that everything's in good shape and all that stuff. I mean, who's that's that's that, that'll be really good for a lot of people because it's very easy access to get things tested really quickly. Who's gonna Who's gonna give me my physical, Brian? Who do I? How do I? I'm sure we can find somebody. How do I do that with an app? <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. take the phone. Yeah. And put no, not there, not there. Further back. <laughs> Turn your head. <coughs> <coughs> Yeah. Well, well, no one's ever going to replace that part of it. <laughs> you say that doctors have no fear. Maybe there'll be a robot. Maybe, That's true. Maybe a, a drone. Maybe, maybe it'll be an add-on. Maybe like a an apparatus to the iPhone. Oh, a dongle. You just a dongle. <laughs> plug it into the plug it into the phone. And what are we plug? Okay. Let's let's see if we can get that patented. Insert here tonight. <laughs> Um. Anyway, we that that could be a great Ooh. a great uh, hardware software integration that we could figure out. Firmware. Firmware. Uh. Anyway, Glenn. Uh. Okay. Well. Uh. I think we're both excited about <laughs> yeah. the oh, yeah. uh that Warby Parker oh, developments yeah. that we talked about. I'm looking forward to not having to go to my optometrist every year. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm excited about you that. Just need a new pair of glasses. Yeah. You, you it's know? not really that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Glenn, uh, well that, that means, uh, on that note, it's the end of episode 114. Already? Already. Uh, yeah, already it's over. Do you have any parting thoughts on the Namaste white I, Belgian I would, beer? I would say it is what it is. The MTS weighed in. Yeah. 7.6. Yeah. That's what it is. End of story. <laughs> it's official. Yeah. That's my thoughts. Yep. I'd have to agree. Okay. Well, it's in the books, Glenn. <sighs> Man. And so is episode 114. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening uh, to episode 114 of the Gentleman Podcast. Go back and listen to all 113 episodes of the previous um, the previous episodes. You won't be sorry. You won't, Well, you might. But that's okay. You could be sorry. You could be sorry. Uh, and We hope you're not. As long as you don't let us know about it, we'll never know. Right. So, uh, Ignorance is bliss, Brian. Exactly. 
And uh, speaking of ignorance, I'm Brian McKinney. I'm Glenn Sansbury. Thanks for listening to episode 114. We see you for episode 115 in two weeks. In the danger zone. <laughs>